Praise the Lord, everybody. It's great to see everybody here today. Thank you so very much for being at Grace Church this morning. We welcome everybody, all of our guests, welcome today. So thankful you're here. And uh, those of you joining us on live stream, Facebook Live, uh, as always, thank you for being with us today. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. As all of you certainly know by now, we're going to open our service today with communion. But before we do that, I have an incredible testimony, an incredible miracle to share with you. Uh, Claudia Brown uh, let Sister Murph and I know several weeks ago that she was facing a pretty serious back surgery. And as they were going through all the prep for that and examination and what have you, they found out that uh, her carotid arteries were were blocked up pretty bad and uh, they said they postponed her back surgery just a few days in advance of it to happen uh, they had to postpone it so they could deal with that so um, they did some testing and uh, that she would have to have that that situation take care of, taken care of before they could proceed with her back surgery this past week, she sent us, Sister Murphy and I, a text. Some of you may remember, she came down for prayer uh, a Sunday or two ago. We anointed a prayer cloth for her, prayed for her right over here. And then she went on with the examination and testing for the situation in her neck. She texted us just several days ago this past week and said, How great is our God. On my way home from getting labs done today, the cardiologist himself called me. He said, Mrs. Brown, I have your results from your ultrasound that shows blockage, and I have the results from your CT scan that shows no blockage. And I don't know what happened, but now there is absolutely no blockage. Is that amazing or what? I thank God for that. I thank God for that. Hallelujah. Amen. He's a great God, and he's still a healer. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. She went on to say, I said, what do you mean there is no blockage? He said, I don't know, but there is nothing. Well, she just so happened to be in Target for the affluent here this morning, Target. She said, she was in Target and she said, I said out loud, Jesus, thank you, thank you. She said, I said it so loud, I was worried they were going to ask me to leave. God is a true miracle worker. And we're rejoicing with you, Sister Claudia. Thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Now, for those of you that have a little bit of knowledge about that, uh, that's not a surgery, a procedure to take care of that that anybody wants to have. Uh, because too many things can go wrong at the wrong time, etc. And I'm thankful God had his hand on her and took care of that, and everybody said amen. 
what a great miracle. And we needed a good miracle, right? We were just due. Grace Church was due for an amazing miracle. And I'm thankful it came to Sister Claudia Brown. I want to open this service today with a scripture reading as we now commence into our uh, communion uh, service. Paul seems to be the, the one apostle especially that gave us very specific direction about how this is to be done. As I was reading that scripture setting, and I'd like everyone to listen, everybody to listen very carefully, something came to me that I've never noticed before. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, Paul said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. Uh, this is at least one time and one of the only times that Paul actually quotes what Jesus said that night he met with his disciples. Of course, Paul was not there. And commentaries are puzzled as to how he got that information. But he said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. I want to have everybody here notice that statement. Jesus was betrayed at the highest level of betrayal, in my opinion. I believe most of you, if not all of you, would agree with that. His, fine, his treasurer betrayed him, sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was about to be arrested but the Bible said, when Judas betrayed him, Jesus took bread. I can't imagine how his feelings was crushed, how his heart was hurting, that one of his own would betray him. But Jesus went on about the business of the kingdom as though nothing had happened. He went on the Last Supper. He didn't cancel it. He didn't dismiss it. He didn't say, hey, wait, let me catch and have a conversation about this. Let me do a little counseling session. Let me find out what happened. He didn't do none of that. He let him go and went on with the business of the kingdom. That would be a lesson that would be very important and necessary for all of us to learn here today. When you're betrayed by whoever, you go on with the business of the kingdom as though nothing happened very challenging, very difficult to do. And when he had given thanks, Paul said, he break it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. You do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show forth the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that drinketh, eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And for this cause, there are so many that are weak and sickly among you.
People have taken this verse completely out of context on numerous occasions. I know this because I was born and raised in Pentecost and I've seen it done all of my life. People feel like I'm not worthy to participate in communion, so they never do. None of us is worthy in and of ourselves to do this. We're only made worthy by the blood of Christ. The, the problem Paul is having, the issues Paul is having, is when people come with that kind of cocky ego persona about them that says, hey, I can do this. I'm, I'm pretty much perfect. I do everything right. This is the person that needs to be careful. Examine yourself. You are to come and participate in communion humbly, thankful, and remembering, remembering what has given you the right to do this and is what he did at Calvary was the shedding of his blood, the beating of his body, nailing him to the cross. The grace of God, the mercy of God that has made any of us worthy. And I believe we should be appreciative of that. We're not here today because we're perfect. We're here today because we've been made perfect according to his plan. We've been made perfect according to the grace of God. His unmerited favor has allowed us to do that. And for, for that reason, I'm anxious to participate in communion. I'm excited because I understand what God had to do to make that happen. So if you'll stand with me today, our ministry team is going to take their position. And as is our custom, um, uh, we'll have some of it in the center aisle. We'll have some in the, in, the, in the side aisles right here in the center aisle. As is our custom in a moment after we pray, we'll have... The, the, the right side, the right two sections to my right, the uh, to your left, we'll exit towards the wall, come around and just go back to your seat and hold the communion elements until we could participate together. Same for this side, left side, your right. You'll exit towards the wall, get your communion elements and return back to your seat. Stay standing. Uh, stay prayerful. This is not a time to fellowship. It's not a time to high five. We're in the presence of the Lord, and we're remembering right now His sacrifice at Calvary. Thank the Lord. Let's pray. Father of heaven, we're so thankful for this moment. We never take it for granted. Maybe we don't do it often enough, but we try to do it as often enough as we can without it becoming cheap, without it just becoming another ritual and a routine. We're not on a family picnic today. We're not here to celebrate some form of entertainment but we're here to stare at the cross that you died on, figuratively speaking, in the eye, to see your broken body, your bleeding body, and say thank you from all of our heart. We say thank you for all the sins you've forgiven, for all the spirits that you've restored, for all the marriages you've restored, for the bodies you've restored, the minds, the hearts, the emotions all of your healing virtue that was a byproduct of this, all of the things you've done, we're going to remember that today. We're going to rehearse it, the miracle that Sister Claudia experienced that came because of that beating post that night and the stripes you took upon your back. We remember that. We recognize that. We're cognizant of it, and we're thankful, God, to be able to share this moment with you in your presence, in your spirit, to come humbly, but to come thankful. We're so, so thankful, so thankful for this moment. Bless this sweet church today. 
let your presence be made manifest. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. All right, folks, if you would exit and just pass by, if we could go as quickly and reverently as we can, it would be appreciated. God bless you.
God bless you, sweet people. Has everyone been served? Media booth, if y'all good. This is one of the most wonderful moments a church can experience together, in my opinion. Our intimacy at this moment with Jesus is, is about as close sometimes as you'll ever get. And that is to share and what is symbolic of his sacrifice. And I like to believe, I choose to believe that God is very happy with this moment, that we're not forgetful, that we're not taking for granted what he did for us that eventful day at Calvary's cross. So Grace Church, God bless you this morning. Let's partake of the bread, the crackers, let's partake of it together. Anybody feel the presence of the Lord here today? I do. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. God bless you folks. If you're ready, let's partake of the fruit of the vine together. What a wonderful moment. What a wonderful time. Is anybody here today thankful for the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God? Can we reach our hands, our face heavenward? And let's thank the Lord to right now for what He's done, for what He means. We're so thankful, God, for your warm, for your very tender, for your very intimate presence here right now. Thankful, God, that you're meeting with us right now for this cause, for this moment. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful for all that you've done, for all that you've done. Thank the Lord. Anybody here today ready to worship? Anybody here ready to worship the Lord with all of your heart? Thank the Lord. Uh, our JV team is coming to collect the communion elements. Uh, they may tap you on the shoulder while you're worshiping. That's okay, but have it ready, and uh, they'll be picking that up momentarily. Let's worship the Lord, Grace Church. Remain standing as we worship today.
like to propose a question today before Brother Greg Albright comes to preach for us. Praise team just saying, show us your glory. Do we have a prepared response for that, if that happens? As you traverse through the Word of God, Moses on many occasions had that moment of, of experience with, with God, God coming down out of heaven, if you will, with His presence and just doing things that were just absolutely mind-boggling. We, we read those things, we preach about those things, we teach on those things. Uh, the disciples had incredible moments with God, uh, calming the storm, uh, casting demons out of people, and just where the just the the manifest presence of God was just so real and and undeniable. And I'm thinking specifically of the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus was transfigured in front of them, and there's maybe some question and. Um, interest in exactly what happened but whatever it was Peter was just so overwhelmed he, you search for a response uh, God is doing something here and I just feel helpless in a response to it I don't, I don't know what to say I, there's no words there's no physical action that, that could be worthy of what just happened here. So Peter spouts off, we, we should build three tabernacles here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And I just want to know today, because heaven is going to invade this building. Already has, but there's more coming. There's going to be a manifest presence of God before this service is over today. Could be another miracle of healing be deliverance, it could be recommitment, it could be rededication. Surely all of us here today feels like we can draw just a little bit closer to God. I'm not sure there's anyone here today that's as close to God as you can get in your relationship with God is the best and it's perfect and there's no room for improvement. So God shows up and hoping people will move closer to Him. So when heaven comes, when you hear the Word of God preached and the glory and power of God is going to be manifest, are you prepared for a response. If you are, what is it? Is it enough? Is it going to be sincere? Is it going to be heartfelt? I, I'm not sure God looks so much for a demonstrative response as he does something from the heart that says, I am so overwhelmed right now. I don't, I don't, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Words just don't express. So as the preaching goes forth today, work on your response. Prepare to respond to the word of God. Thank the Lord. He needs no introduction. Would you welcome to this pulpit today, Brother Greg Aldritton, man of God. Let's lift our hands and hearts across this room and honor and magnify our Lord Jesus together. Can we do that right now? Lord, we worship you, Jesus. God, we honor you. We praise you, Lord. I thank you for your presence that is in this house, in this place today, Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for hearts and minds that have dedicated to you in communion today, thanking you for what you've done for us, for what the Bible said, while we were yet sinners, you died for us. That's personal. You did it just for me. 
Thank you for that consecration that's in this house today. Thank you for that anointing that's in this place today, Jesus. We honor you and we worship you. We exalt you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Grace Church on this Sunday morning. Believing that God's presence is here and God desires to minister it to each and every one of us. I believe I see Sister Deidre Frazier in the back. Good to see you today. Amen. And I see Desiree, longtime friend. Amen. Good to see you today. And good to be with all of you all. Thank you uh, for we dropped by a feast last night and a good time at the Adams home. And thank you all for that for a few moments to be with you all. The Spirit of the Lord is heavy upon me today, and I pray that I can communicate clearly what he's put in my spirit. This morning, as I was in prayer, I felt very impressed to call a friend in another state. So I called him and stop my prayer. I mean, I was having good prayer and I was like, okay, I'll stop and call my friend. Shared a couple things with him and he said, I feel a scripture for you this morning and for where you're ministering. And he said, it's simply this. He said, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient. And about halfway to church this morning, I realized God just gave a promise of grace for grace. Amen. And I kind of I kind of grabbed a hold of that, that God's grace is enough. And the work that God has for us this morning, it's his work, and it's sufficient. Somebody say, God has grace for grace. Amen. So I just want to speak. Maybe I'm talking to somebody that your spirit's been heavy this week. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's felt frustrated trying to get it all together, maybe to somebody who's felt frustrated in serving the Lord, is it all worth it, trying to fight the fight and keep up the battle, maybe I'm talking to somebody today, a parent, it seems like you get two things right and something else happens and try to navigate this and so many openings, so many places where it seems the enemy can come in and fight. Maybe somebody's feeling hopeless or overwhelmed or anxiety, so much of that fear in our day. I just speak a breakthrough in the name of Jesus Christ that's going to touch every home. I speak something that I believe will touch every family and every life in this house today. If you receive that, can we throw our hands up to the heavens? Amen. Give God permission to work in your life today. Would you give God permission to work in your home and in your family today? Amen. In Jesus' name. God, we worship you, Jesus. God, we praise you from the front row to the back, just giving permission to have a breakthrough in your life today. From the front row to the back, would you give him permission to work in your life today? Would you give him permission to work in your family today? Even if you have family members that aren't here, amen, give God an invitation to minister by the Spirit to them wherever they may be. In Jesus' name. Let's look in the word of the Lord to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 
verse 17 and 18. I appreciate Pastor and Sister Murphy so much. Lifelong, dear friends, trusted friends, and I thank God for them, and I thank God for their influence in me and in my family's life. And Pastor Murphy, it's an honor to be here today. And I just, I just wanted to say that it's just a privilege to never take it for granted. And I submit to your leadership, this is your shepherd, it's your pastor, it's your God-given man that helps you and your family go to heaven. I stand in this pulpit as an evangelist submitted to my pastor this morning, to our leader this morning, and God's hand that's on him for this community and for this church. Amen. And I'll be blessed as an evangelist by doing that, and you'll be blessed, your families, by doing that, saying that. I have a little saying I stay sometimes. Is that the man who preaches at the building where I go to church? Or am I allowing here to be my shepherd in my life? Amen. That's, that's our shepherd, and I honor you, and I submit to you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17 and 18, the Bible says this. For Christ sent me not to baptize, Paul said, and he's not against baptizing. It was a discussion People were saying, well, this person baptized me and this one baptized me. And Paul's basically saying, I'll leave the baptizing to some of the other guys. He said, but God's calling on my life is to preach the gospel. He said, not with wisdom of words. Notice this, God's called me to preach the gospel. But I'm not supposed to just become, and I, I thank God for anointed wordsmiths that through their words blesses us. But Paul said, I'm not supposed to preach the gospel with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. That's heavy statement. Paul is saying, how I handle the message of the cross in preaching it could determine whether it has all power or if it has no power. He said, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. The NIV says, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He's saying, I can handle this message in a way that would empty it of its power. The NASB for that phrase said, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. You mean Paul is saying how I handle what Jesus did could void it out as if it didn't happen? I don't apologize for my emotions this morning. The heaviest a message has set on me in a long time has been this week. I want to preach on the subject when Calvary doesn't work anymore. 
God bless you. You may be seated. Andre Crouch wrote many great songs. One of them was entitled, The Blood Will Never Lose Its Power. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never, ever lose its power. It reaches to the highest mountains, and it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day, it will never, ever lose its power. It soothes my doubts. And it calms my fears. And it dries all of my tears. The blood that gives me strength from day to day. It will never lose its power. For it reaches to the highest mountains. And it flows. How many of you thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ that reaches to the highest mountains and flows to the lowest valleys. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day, and it will never lose its power. And I stand here in full agreement that the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, the price that Jesus paid for all of humanity, and very specifically the price he paid for you and I. Somebody say he did it just for me. Amen. Everything he did was just for you and for me. It will never lose its power. But there is a time or there is a manner in which the power of the cross, the power of what Jesus did could become ineffective. I not going to stay on this point long, but during this Easter season, our minds go to the death and the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And you can walk through the biblical story of Jesus who had done nothing but good and healed and ministered and encouraged and lifted up, yet spoke bold and firm and hard truth straight from the heart of Almighty God. He was arrested and taken to the high priest's palace where the priests and the scribes and the elders made fun, spit on him, taunted him, then taken to Pilate's hall. More of the same, the whipping post, the governor's hall in shame, the crown of thorns, the reed, the nails, the spear, the cross. Jesus was broken. Jesus suffered. He became the sacrificial lamb and Romans said he did it while we were yet sinners. He did it just for us. He shed spotless blood. Amen. That was that had the power to cover all the sins of the entire world. Even if only 10% comes to him, he paid the price to cover 100% of the sins of this entire world. He paid that price. It was the greatest demonstration of love in history. And it was one of, if not, I believe, the most powerful act 
in all of history. Romans 5 says, By the cross many are made righteous. Colossians 2 said it, it, it's work. The, it blots out the records of sin. It's one thing to say, I forgive you. It's another thing, amen, that the power was, was there to tear up even the records that there was ever a sin, amen, removed and remitted forever. Hebrews 10 said what Jesus did made a new way for us into the holiest of holies. Amen. What happened on Calvary was beautiful and it was powerful. What happened on Calvary was also a time traveler, if I can say it that way, because it went all the way to the first sin that was ever committed. Whether it was Cain and Abel, it was somewhere along that line. The first sin that was ever committed and that would have been pushed forward by the sacrifices through that Old Testament and piled up under one side of the cross all the way to the last sin that will ever be repented of before we enter into eternity, before the trumpet sounds and the church is lifted up to the heavens. Amen. There will be a last person that repents and says, God, wash me. And I believe Calvary was a time traveler because it takes care of all sins past and it had the power to reach into and take care of all sins future. What Jesus did was powerful. I believe if we talk to those Roman soldiers today and ask them, maybe if we interviewed them about how did you do your job when you crucified Jesus. I believe if we talk to the soldiers that you've seen it depicted in Easter dramas or movies about the life of Christ the venom, the, the hatred. We're, we're seeing atrocities unfold that's happening across our world right now and, and that's happening in the nation of Ukraine. But it, the, the evil and the atrocities taken out on humanity has long been a part of our planet's history. And the, the Roman Empire was so brutal and, and so vicious at times. And I believe if we interviewed those soldiers, that they would say they whipped him well, the whips may could bring so much pain, bits of bone on the end of the cords to go into the side. I believe if we asked the one who put on the crown of thorns, pushed and twisted, mockery, you're a king, here's your crown, I believe. He did it with venom, viciousness, and he would say he did his job well. To crucify someone in this manner, even if it was just the soldier's job, a, a level of evil has to enter into the picture to bring that pain to another human. The ones who nailed him to the cross, who put up the cross, the one who put the spear into the side of Jesus, I, I believe they would say, they did their job well. Jesus was crucified, fully crucified, gave all that he could give, suffered and was broken for you and I to be saved. The most powerful act of love 
the planet has ever seen. And yet the Apostle Paul says of this act that is powerful enough to forgive the first sin all the way to the present and the future sins all the way until eternity. The act that is powerful enough to do that, Paul says, if I handle it wrong, then I cause the cross to become, Paul said, of none effect. He didn't say I dilute it to 50% power. He didn't say it becomes sort of powerful and and it's just not quite as pure as it could be. Paul said, if I handle it wrong, I avoid it of its power. I empty it of its purpose. And that is the place where Calvary would not work anymore if I handle it casually or lightly. I don't handle it with sincerity purity and gratefulness and an open invitation for it to work in my life then it can't work so if Paul could treat what Jesus did for us on the cross in such a way that it would not work at all then I believe so can you and I We could treat Jesus and his work on the cross in a manner that would not work at all. It's just a thought to ponder. The most powerful thing in all of humanity may have no power at all, depending on me. So I say it again, if Paul could so boldly say how I handle the cross determines whether it's most effective or of none effect, then so could you and I. Yet some choose to be casual about Calvary. Some And their lives may even play games at the foot of the cross. How we handle, how we treat, how we respond to Jesus determines its effectiveness. Well, preacher, I've been around the church all my life. I felt God's presence since I was a small child. I've knelt at the altar. Isn't that good enough? I shook the preacher's hand last Sunday. I came to the building. Isn't that good enough that I'm close to the action? Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for getting your family 
out of bed and dress. Thank you for being the small percentage of our country that says I'm going to God's house on a Sunday. I'm not here to negate that, but I'm here to say just coming to the building is not enough by itself. Just shaking the shepherd's hand is not good enough by itself. Just holding a Bible in my hand is not enough in and of itself. Just because I'm close, just because I handle the things of God by itself doesn't guarantee its effectiveness in my life. Just being in close proximity, just being near the things of God is not the determining factor in its effectiveness. But what is, is how do I handle being on that church pew? And how do I handle my time in that altar? And how do I handle the word of God and the spirit of God and the things of God in my life? If close contact was all that mattered, then... Judas would be saved today. He was one of the 12. He was with Jesus a lot. He even sat right next to him at the Last Supper with 12 disciples. That, that meant there were only two options to sit by Jesus, and he was in that category of actually physically sitting beside Jesus. He heard Jesus teach. He saw the miracles. He heard Jesus say, I'm the door to eternal life. And yet in the garden, choosing to only focus on the fact that he thought Jesus was going to be a physical deliverer. And he wasn't seeing that unfold. And he betrayed Jesus turned him over to the Roman soldiers. Judas kissed Jesus on the cheek. Jesus had been in agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. No doubt sweating, praying so hard, hurting so deeply. Judas, you kissed Sweaty, salty cheek. You were so close. You kissed the one who said he was the door to eternal life. You kissed the door to heaven on your way to hell. If closeness, if just touching was all that mattered. Surely, Judas would be saved. How about the soldier? I know Jesus didn't fight. He laid his life down, but they had to nail his hands to the cross. 
In my mind, I see one soldier holding the hand in what they felt was the right place while another drove those spikes through his wrist. Soldier, you held his hand. Did you know whose hand you were holding? Did, did you know that those hands touched blind eyes and lame men and they were healed? Did you know those hands lifted some from death to life? Did you know those hands held and loved on the innocent children? Did you? Did you know, know that? Did you know that 2,000 years later, we would stand in church services dedicated to that man's memory and saying, I can't even walk without you holding my hand? Soldier, did you realize? How about the one who pierced his side with the spear. Jesus was on the cross. I just envisioned blood coming out the side of Jesus and maybe some got on that soldier. That's close. That's the blood of Jesus being shed for the sins of all of humanity getting on your clothes. You were in contact. I don't find a record of your life being changed. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary got on his road. We don't find record of it changing his life. The Bible says the soldiers cast lots at the foot of the cross for Jesus' garment. He's dying. God manifests in the flesh. Hey, let's see if you get it. Let's see if you get it. They, they were rolling the dice at the foot of the cross. Casting lots, gambling if you please. Ah, ah, you got the high number. You get his garment. We have no record of the soldier being saved who won the game at the foot of the cross. Was it maybe the same robe that a little lady touched one day? And virtue went out of the body of Jesus into her body, and she was healed. Was it maybe the same robe? Is it possible that it was the same coat that people just wanted to touch? Because it wasn't just that lady. You find one word in the Gospels that said after that, many came that they could just touch his garment. Just a few stories of the Calvary story of those who were close. Their proximity is very near to Jesus. 
They were close. They weren't changed. Calvary was not effective for them. It's all in how you handle it. Brother Jason, would you come help me real quick? The Bible tells us, we'll just use these marks. The Bible tells us that Jesus was crucified in the midst of two malefactors, two thieves. In the midst, in other versions it says in the middle. I don't know if they measured exactly, but in the middle to me, oh, what a picture it paints. There are two that are literally dying because of their sin. And he's dying for their sin. He's dying for the whole world, but the very picture is, I'm doing this for you. And I'm doing this for you. So I, I just imagine, that's eight feet. Let's go the other direction. If he was in the middle eight feet that's a tape marking probably where the praise singers sing but I'm pretty sure they it looks pretty balanced doesn't it so if Jesus thank you was crucified in the middle of two thieves Bible tells us that one of them railed on Jesus. Ah! If you're who you say you are, why, why don't you save yourself and us if you're really who you say you are? Same distance. Eight feet, ten feet, twelve feet, whatever it was. We're guilty. We're here because we deserve to. He's an innocent man. He did nothing wrong. Basically, be quiet. He's dying. Be quiet. Leave him alone. He doesn't deserve this. If you're God, save us. Who are you? Jesus. When you come into your kingdom, would you remember me? His heart said, I believe that you who you say you are. And I believe the work that you're doing. And here, equidistant from two dying for their sins. He, to one, says, this day, in just a few moments, you will be with me in paradise. They were the same distance from the cross. But it didn't work for this one. It made no changes in this one's life. He entered eternity, lost the exact same distance from the cross, Brother Murphy, as one who entered into God's presence, saved just a few Moments later, if distance, if distance was all 
that matter, wouldn't have Jesus at all. You guys, this is your blessed day. Y'all are both so close. Today, both of y'all, you're going to be with me. The one. Even though his hands were nailed to the cross, the one who embraced Jesus. The one who said, I believe in what you're doing. Would you do it for me? It became the most powerful act. But to the other, it had none effect. I may say a few more words. Could we bow our heads just from the front row to the back, from the left wall to the right? Could you talk to Jesus for a moment? Uh Jesus, holy name. This morning, I told the Lord in the room, this feels like old-fashioned Sunday night church message. And it's Sunday morning. And I feel like the Lord had just impressed me. For those old school Pentecostals that know what I'm talking about, Sunday morning and Sunday night, there was just something happened sometime on Sunday night. I felt like the Lord impressed me. It's a Sunday night anointing on a Sunday morning. Thank you again. You're doing all you can, family and I, I families, and I'm a I'm a parent of Two teenage girls and a nine-year-old boy. I want them to go to heaven so bad. I want them to be saved and used by God. It's just not easy. I get it. 2022 ain't so, it's not so easy. Thank you for coming to church. Thank you for bringing them to the house of God. Thank you, be, thank you for being in the house of God. Thank you for loving Jesus and loving his word. But if I'm talking to anybody that's being casual about the, the message and casual about church and casual about Christ, the last place I ever want to be casual about Christ is at the foot of the cross. 
The last place I want to pull out dice and play games is in the shadows. Thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing your families. Thank you for loving Jesus. But I encourage every single person in this building today, make sure you're not in the shadow of the most powerful message for all of humanity that still matters. And heaven and hell still matters. And eternity still matters. It's the last place, Pastor. My eternity is too important. My kids' eternity is too important. The churches that I ministered, your families and kids are too important. For me to just play games in the shadow of the cross. <laughs> if I wait till the next move of God. Well, I don't know. Really need to be that dedicated, you know. On a scale, boy, we're doing a lot better than our neighbors. Huh? Does it really take being sold out? I don't want to gamble at the foot of the cross. I don't want to play games. It hits me pretty hard sometimes. Cole, I've seen you at youth camp. You know youth camp altar services, don't you? It hits me sometimes. How did some of them friends that prayed the night God moved so strong. They prayed just as hard as others. But then millions of miles from God, some died lost. Same distance. Same opportunities. Same interactions close contact for one makes all the difference for some it ends up seeming now again they can be a million miles from God and he can get them next week and I know that but I don't want to be guilty of being in the shadow of the cross and taking it lightly or being casual Casual is 75% of casualty. And that's about how it works in the kingdom of God. To spell casualty, you just add two more letters. If I become casual, I'm on the journey to being a casualty. It's heaven, it's hell, it's eternity. And I don't want to play games with the things of God. Would you stand with me in this room? I don't know about you, but my heart wants to tell Jesus today. I give you full permission. Work in my life. Work in my home. Work in my family. Work in our church. 
that's how you feel with your eyes closed, would you slip your hands to the heavens right now? I give you permission, Jesus. Uh, I know there's been a soberness in this atmosphere and a quietness, almost a reverence that's from the throne room, but I'm asking somebody, let that cry come from out of your heart right now. I'm asking some mama, let that cry come from your heart right now. I want my kids to be saved. Somebody let a prayer. I want my church to be a revival church. Somebody, somebody let that cry come out right now. I, I want my youth group to be a revival youth group. It's a Sunday night anointing on a Sunday morning. Uh, in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. Come walk with me for just a minute. Somebody let a prayer come out. I hope every one of our hearts can be like this sweetheart whose hand I'm holding right now. You wasn't privileged to see, but I was. She wept from before the message started throughout the entire service. God, give me a heart like Kyrie has that says, I want to be tender for what you did for me. I want to be open to the work of the cross. I want to be open to the message of Jesus. If you don't know Kyrie, look up here right now. God, give me a heart like this young lady has right now. <laughs> I'm asking some dad, let those... Thank you. I'm asking some dad, let those tears flow right now. Amen. If it was old school Sunday night, you know how to pray. Somebody let that prayer go right now. Somebody let that cry come out right now. I'm not going to be a Judas and kiss the door to heaven on my way to hell. I'm not going to be a somebody that holds the hands of Jesus, but don't let it change my life. In the name of Jesus. 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 Amen. In the name of Jesus. Paul said, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He said, it's all, when, it, when it's allowed to do its work, it's all I need. It's the cross and Jesus crucified. It's still the message for 2022. This altar is open, and I'm not going to say right now who can come. I'm just saying anyone from the front to the back, from the left to the right, whether you've been a longtime member of this church, you're an elder in this church, you looked up to in this church, or if you're a brand new member, you've been coming just a few weeks, amen, or if you're a young couple wanting your kids to go to heaven, or your, your grandparents wanting your families to be saved, this altar is open, amen.
Amen. And today's a great day to find your knees. A great today's a great place to find a place, Amen, to turn around at that front pew and find a place to cry out to Almighty God. I'm calling on the dads right now. I'm calling on the moms right now. I'm calling on this church family right now. Somebody let that heart cry come out right now. Somebody let that heart's prayer come out right now. We're not going to be casual in our lives. We're going to let it work. We're going to let it be effective. Come on, those of you standing in the pew, y'all in the aisle, y'all come on a little closer there. Let's cry out. Church, I'm calling you to cry out right now. Amen. It may not be the most pretty prayers right now, but somebody cry out right now. Somebody let the call of heaven come on your soul right now. Somebody let the call of the Spirit come on your soul right now. Uh, I don't want to be lost having handled the gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to be lost having handled deep moves of God. I don't want to ever be lost having handled the pure things of the Holy Ghost. God, I want to handle it, and I want it to work in my life. Just give him permission. Tell him, I want it to work. Let it work in our home. Let it work in my family. Let it work in my children. Let it work in my grandchildren. Let it Hallelujah. I'm not accusing anybody of playing games in God's house, but I say it again, the last place I ever want to take lightly is God's house. The last things I ever want to take lightly is the deep, sweet, pure moves of God. The last place I want to play games is in the shadow of the cross. Uh, let your cry, elders, I'm calling on you right now. Elders, I'm calling on you right now. Let those holy tears flow. If there's anybody in this house, it's been a while since you prayed through, it's a good day to pray through. If there's any dad or mom in this house, it's been a little while since you were tender in God's presence, it's a good day to let that brokenness come. If there's anybody it has been too long since you wept in God's presence, find a place and pray until something tenderizes in your soul. That's it. You're leading the way right now. Let your heart cry out. All you young people that laid on this altar, let your heart cry out. I'm going to let it work.
Say 